On December 5, 1933, the 21st Amendment of the United States Constitution was ratified, effectively ending prohibition in the United States. 90 years later, alcohol has become a well-studied substance with universally accepted quantities for what constitutes a single drink. But recently, there's been a new player in town, cannabis. Across the United States, widespread legalization of marijuana has hurtled our country into uncharted territory. In 2018, more than 12 million Americans admitted to driving while under the influence of cannabis. Unlike alcohol, with no legal limit of field sobriety or field sobriety test, the dangers of driving while impaired by marijuana become all the more consequential. In fact, it was found that the rate of fatal crashes attributed to impaired driving doubles in states that have recently legalized the drug. All in all, it doesn't matter if you are for or against cannabis, as my guest today is an advocate for safety. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Lake, and in today's preview, I will be talking with Denise Valenti, CEO of IMAD, a company that has developed a technology that can measure visual field functions that are essential for safe driving. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. It's a pleasure to have you here, and I do want to welcome all of our uh, listeners, viewers alike. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. Um, I'm so excited to introduce you to uh, Dr. Delise Valenti. She's the CEO of IMAD, a company advocating for a safe cannabis use through education, research, and their signature technology that can objectively measure visual field functions. So Denise, can you give us a sense, well, how did you get into this uh, field of measuring impairment and, and the effects of cannabis? Well, thank you for having us and thank you for the opportunities through Excel City. It's been an exciting few months working with the group. IMAD concept came out of 30 years experience in impaired driving, both clinical and research. Initially, I worked with sensory impairment cognition and driving that included Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Um, we were always interested in the Alzheimer's space and started looking at treatments for Alzheimer's using cannabis. It was at that point that we realized some of the technology under development actually was effective in measuring impairment of the retina with cannabis use. Acute impairment um, of the retina means you really can't see well enough to drive safely. As we realized we had a technology that could be used roadside by police officers, we were inspired because we know such technology is needed to save lives. The company itself, IMAD, Impairment Measurement Marijuana and Driving, is actually named after also a young man who died waiting for a heart transplant in memory of Mark Alvin de Silvia. In my journey to healing, I had opportunity to meet many parents who had donated a part of their child, but their child had died needlessly. 
They died because of a decision on the part of a driver to drive impaired. Those types of deaths are 100% preventable. IMAD knows we have technology that will help police officers remove those potentially deadly drivers from the road. It's a very simple technology. It measures your vision. It's, first of all, a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. And, and there are way too many, as you know, way too many losses of life due to otherwise totally preventable circumstances, right? Can you give me a sense, how, how many accidents happen a year because of marijuana impairment? Thank you for asking. Um, first, terminology. Um, when a driver intentionally chooses to drive impaired, it's not an accident, it's a crash. And in those states having legal adult use marijuana, the rate of lives lost attributed only to marijuana doubles when legalization comes on board. The risk to others than drivers is actually higher with marijuana than alcohol. The state of Washington found that those in fatal crashes having used only marijuana, active marijuana, meaning use within um, an hour, were six times more likely to kill a pedestrian, a bicyclist, another driver, or a passenger to compare to those in a fatal crash having used only alcohol. The impairments between alcohol and marijuana differ, but both are deadly. And, and so the impairment, you say it differs. Um, can you give us a sense of what, what the difference is, I guess? Well, the main difference is if you know how much a person has used alcohol by a breathalyzer or blood, you know what their impairment is because it's directly related to volume consumed. That is absolutely not true with marijuana. You can have consumed a huge amount and be relatively minimally impaired. On the other hand, a person um, with a moderate amount or a minimal amount um, particularly a naive user, can be significantly impaired and deadly. So there's no direct relationship. So even if there is a breathalyzer, which there is not yet, the only means to measure presence is blood or saliva, that doesn't mean you're impaired. So officers need technology to demonstrate actual impairment. And the impairment needs to relate to the driving tasks. And IMAD does that by measuring vision. You have to take a peripheral vision test in 34 states in the United States before you can even get a license. If you have reduced vision in the periphery, you are not legally able to drive in all of Canada. So we're measuring functions that are already known. So that's interesting. So basically, uh, the use of marijuana can um, does it, I guess, does it create blind spots? Is that? We call them blind spots because it's not always consistent. Where we're consistently finding a dead spot, blind spot is right about here. Okay. Um, we're finding variability and it may be variable based on type of product you use. So little is known about marijuana and other factors may contribute to body parts being impaired. So it's not just the THC, which is the component that gets you high. There may be other variables that cause an impairment in one person, but not necessarily an impairment in another, or it's not just vision that's impaired. 
there are other systems and balance is the one that is most um, significantly documented as being impaired um, with marijuana. So it, it, it is different than alcohol. Now, yeah. a person may flunk our test with alcohol just because they are too uncoordinated to do the test. But our test is very specific to marijuana. It will pick up an eye disease. But if you have an eye disease bad enough to show up on our test, you shouldn't have been driving anyway. <laughs> Good point. Um, so let, let's talk about this test. Uh, how does this technology work? What is it? How do, how do you use it? Well, first, the base is off the shelf virtual reality gaming technology. The exciting thing about gaming technology is the technology has improved by leaps and bounds, particularly with COVID. And one of the improvements that will go into our next prototype is eye tracking. Our first set of studies, we discovered that if you're dabbing, that's the really high concentrated stuff, or if you're a chronic heavy user, your eyes don't hold still. So we need eye tracking. The good thing about these technologies is they're constantly coming down in price. So our IMAT is simply an application that's put in a off-the-shelf virtual reality goggle. So a person presses a button. All it does, it's very simple, is it shows small striped squares in a variety of spots within your vision. The squares get reductions in contrast, so they get harder to see. So if you are impaired or have recently used marijuana, you can't see a lot of the squares. But if you're not high, you can see them. Very interesting. So is is this is something that you would see like a breathalyzer where a police officer that may have pulled somebody over for erratic driving, for instance, is, is then given the test? Or is this something that you would expect somebody would use before they decide to get in the car? You know, it's just for officer use. Um, it would be used, the officer would determine what they hypothesized they're impaired on. So if they had a breathalyzer, they may, based on that test, decide it was just alcohol. Um, right now, there's um, uptick of use of saliva. And the reason that's important is it could tell other drugs beside alcohol. At that point, if there's going to be a citation or if there's been substantial um, harm, they mm -hmm. would want to prove actual impairment. If it's alcohol, they would do the field sobriety test. If they suspect it's marijuana, they would put a test such as ours on the person and the person would run the test. Now, an officer highly trained might do what's called drug recognition expert protocol. That's particularly critical if there's been a fatal crash. So they could start to build evidence to make sure if a person is in fact guilty of being impaired, that their license is taken away and they're removed from the road. So their IMAD would be used in a process to collect evidence to go to a courtroom. Objective evidence that is not the officer's opinion will be much more powerful in the courtroom um, just because perception. Again, if there's been a fatal crash, often there's a judge and a jury, a jury may be impaneled. So again, that is who in the long run makes decisions about the information coming from IMAD. 
All right, so let's just say, walk, walking through this, you've been pulled over. A police officer suspects that you've been you're impaired. Uh, they give you a breathalyzer. They rule that out. They they then pull out their goggles, the the uh, uh, virtual reality goggles. You put that on, and what happens next? What, First, our focus groups with officers, and we've held many. Safety is key. Um, one of the things we learned from them is a smartphone in the hands of a driver can be weaponized against the body of the officer. So they're very cautious about anything. So what we've learned from their input is that our technology would probably be put on the person when the person is standing roadside, arms and hands visible, and the officer most likely would approach from, from the back and put it on the whole time seeing their hands. Then they would hand them the Bluetooth button. Our focus groups told us that they didn't think the Bluetooth button was big enough to be weaponized. Okay. So that's a good Those thing. are all issues that are important for the officers to be comfortable using the test. Now, a person can choose to be erratic, meaning, you know, or whatever. Right. Eye tracking is identifying by recording their eye movements, whether or not they're intentionally being uncooperative. And those are all factors that will go into how the test is interpreted. Now, if they're being cooperative and actually doing the test, again, that will be recorded. The officer will then get a printout of the results. And again, how important that is to that particular case depends on what they'll do next. Because there are results that we can contribute expertise on how the crash may or may not have occurred, that will be options for the courtroom. For example, if the results indicate to us that they couldn't see the red light, those are all expert testimony that may be wanted in the courtroom. So we would be able to support their results depending on the need. But if so, it's just the results they want, then you know the technology and the results are available. And, and so once the goggles are on and and the person is holding that Bluetooth button, what are they seeing and what are they what are they doing with the button? Well, it's simpler than a video game. All they see is five degree, very small striped squares. What they cannot tell is the squares are alternating stripes and gradually getting less contrast, less dark. That enables the test to specifically measure a dopamine cell in the retina. Now, the person doing the test doesn't know that. They just say, press the button when they see stripes. We do know that if you're cognitively impaired, because we've run this type of test now for over a decade on people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, that you can do the test, even if you're level of cognition is significantly reduced. So that is a question whenever you run a test when people are marijuana impaired because they have reduced cognition. Can they understand and perform the test? Absolutely, we know they can. So let's now look 10, 20, 50 years into the future and law enforcement everywhere is using the IMAD technology what, what do you see as the impact, whether it's for the person, an individual, uh, the communities as, as large, or, or the whole world for that matter? Well, 
in an ideal world and in a pragmatic world, we will have autonomous vehicles. Hmm. So the impairment driving concern will have dissipated. But what we do know is if technologies such as IMAD are utilized now, many more people will survive and be alive to see their children, their grandchildren 50 years from now. We do not expect IMAD to be used 50 years from now because there won't be the same need. However, for the next 20 years, we absolutely need technology like this. And it will save it will help save lives. It will help officers get the convictions to re particularly repeat offenders off the road. Well, listen, Denise, thank you so much for your time today. And, and more importantly, thank you for doing this work. I mean, it's it's obviously it's a gap that that needs to be filled. And it is I mean, as you just said, it is about saving lives. So can't thank you enough for your commitment and focus on this and, and bringing it to the rest of the world. Um, and I also want to thank you for taking time out of what I know is your busy day uh, to join us on this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Well, thank you so much for inviting us. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.